What's going on, family? It's Sean. And today I, I wanted to have an open and honest conversation about what I see as the next wave of inflation coming to a life near you, and that is greenflation. So you want ask, you might say, hmm, what is greenflation? Well, greenflation refers to the rising cost of materials, associated expenses, and regulatory measures related to green products, along with corporate compliance and companies' own green initiatives. What that basically says is the cost of turning everything green because we have to dig up all the rare earths around the world, government regulations, which there's a lot of shadow money moving in between when you look at uh, carbon credits, or you can see the results of the green movement on helping fattening people's pockets. Um, as an example would be uh, Musk, who is the richest person in the world. And uh, he has a, a very green oriented company. Um, also their own initiatives. So we're looking at a current environment and a future where governments are going to get more involved with companies and stakeholders, usually those who are, are much more wealthy, who, um, who whose problems, who, who are rich enough where they have a much more time on their hands, where they don't really have to work a nine to five or grind, and they're able to think about these much larger problems or, or create much larger problems. And companies are going to be judged on what green things are they doing? Are they capping their emissions? What are they doing for water? The difficult thing is, is how are we going to track anything that they're really doing? How are we going to how are we going to actually know how green something is? And also, what are the ramifications of moving towards this green movement? So I want to talk about some of the things that we've seen recently over the past six months, which show us the side effects of this ESG movement with this environmental and social governance and some of the possibilities of how this is going to affect not only your future, but those in developing nations, it's going to hurt them the most. So we've seen recently, we see what's been going on in the Netherlands. We've seen that uh, the government in the Netherlands has passed uh, an emissions reduction for farmers, which uh, forces farmers to reduce their nitrogen emissions um, from 30 to 70%. So if you just look at that, if somebody told you um, you had to build 70% more countertops and that was your business, you're out of business. You can't afford that. We've seen what happened in Sri Lanka, that whole the total collapse of the government. Um the, the brothers over there, the leadership have got run out. We'll see if they struggle to get power. That was a whole movement to completely stop using synthetic fertilizers and go organic, which doesn't work. You can't just stop all of your farming immediately, go, go, go organic and feed an entire developing nation. When people are hungry, they get pissed off. And when people are pissed off, they come for the leaders. It just takes a little bit. So you can keep poking people only for so long. Also, like, let's take it back here to the United States. Uh, the states that have the biggest green energy initiatives like California, in California, residents pay an average of 80% higher energy cost. You look at Texas, 
their grid with the inclusion of wind power, it's not sustainable. It, it can't handle, it, it, it can't supply the energy needs. So they already have issues with their grid. There, there's a, it's sunny with a chance of blackouts coming, right? They already have these problems. So recently there was a report that was written um, from some researchers at Deutsche Bank. This was Luke Templeman and a senior economist, Eric Heyman. And they're discussing what is going to be necessary in order for us to transition to this green movement. And they state that the energy spending needed by 2030 to hit net zero by 2050 would be the equivalent to triple the combined increase in United States and Euro European central banks' balance sheets since COVID. So what that means is that is the equivalent of spending another $27 trillion. $27 trillion. So the money printer really goes burr in this movement. Now, they also stated that greenflation is inevitable. In the near term, it is already causing higher prices. And as we look further ahead, even more inflationary forces will stem from climate policies and other ESG factors, which is environmental, social, governance factors. So this is just the beginning because you get that price increase. That price increase settles into life. It becomes natural. And then those prices don't go down. Just like I said, those inflationary prices, inflation is here to stay. Even if it goes down in rate of change terms, you're not getting that back. You're not getting that purchasing power back. And this green movement is going to be even worse. So this need or this push for green energy has put tremendous price pressure on rare earths, copper, and other materials critical to the production of batteries. When you think about the current resources that we know of for these rare earth minerals, so this gold, this silver, this co cobalt, this lithium, this copper, just of the reserves that we currently know to exist, it's not enough. It's not enough. We don't have enough of those rare earth minerals that we know of right now to get to net zero or to change the whole energy grid. And here's the other thing they don't talk about. There's about two ways that you get these, these rare earth minerals out of the ground. There's two things that you do. One is use these very large carbon intensive fossil fuel diesel vehicles machinery to get those rare earth minerals. The other thing you do is you exploit people with lower incomes in developing nations. You increase child labor. You take advantage of people. It's what they do. You exploit these poorer countries, and then you go over to those poorer countries and you say, oh, you can't burn any coal. You got you to run that off of, uh, of, of, of wind power. And they'll be like, wind doesn't blow here. Oh, it doesn't matter. We're, we're here to help. We're the government and we're, we're here to help. We're here to tell you how to use your own resources and also tell you that, sh that you're not allowed to attain a lifestyle or be, be able to get to a point like Western nations have where people have much more opportunities, where they can access, where they can travel, where they can put these ideas that they have in their head be, due to their access to energy to make them come to fruition.
when you really think about it, it's kind of racist. It's kind of racist that we are right now creating policies that we're telling developing nations that they can't get any more fossil fuels and they haven't even they haven't even hit a fraction of our lifestyle over here in the west think about that think about that so speaking about that about how they are coming to push on their agenda i i read this I read this good quote here um, that that's, was from one of the French protesters as they were having one of their uprisings with the working class. And it says the elites talk talk of the end of the world when we talk at the end of the month. That just shows you the how precious time is for people. When you have a whole bunch of money, you can sit around and think about es- esoteric things or talk about art or d- – Discuss how other people should live that you've never interacted with because you won't leave a three mile radius because you have you're you have so much more time on your hand than somebody who has to grind every single day to put food on the table or lives in a developing nation and has no access to medication or health care or exclusively gets all their energy from cow dung and cutting down trees. But if you're wealthy and rich, you're you're much more time rich. Because that's what money provides you. It gives you it gives you the ability to look down on other people once you get to a certain point and not even look at them as if they're human. So greenflation has hit the developing world the hardest where we saw fuel riots and we saw an example of when food insecurity and cost rise. We saw the Arab Spring in 2011. Currently right now we've seen Sri Lanka. There's things going on in Kazakhstan, Ecuador, South Africa, Senegal, and Ethiopia. Currently, the energy needs for sub-Saharan Africa are completely inadequate to address even their most basic needs. I recently read, I believe it was from the European Union, where they were going to subsidize fertilizer for some of these African countries because they don't produce enough food to feed their people, which is important. And then two weeks afterwards, they said, no, we're not going to do it because of the green movement. So they're not going to help them feed their people. They're going to allow their people to starve and die. I guess that's one way to reduce your carbon footprint. But I don't think we should be in the business of picking and choosing who lives and dies. I think everybody should get that opportunity to be successful, to build a lifestyle for themselves, to add to the world on an even playing field. To go further on what's going on in Africa, the United Nations projects that Africa's population will be as large as Asia's by 2100. Yet institutions like the World Bank have pledged to stop funding fossil fuel projects despite rising demographic-driven demand. Because the demographics in the United States and the rest of the world, mostly, we're getting older. We don't have young people. Usually when you're older, you use a lot more... Lot less energy. So why are we going over to other countries where they're much younger and they're the future and telling them that they they can't advance? Um, African leaders have began to begun to speak out, and you're seeing backlash around this all around the world. You, I don't have to tell you all the little bit which the news is showing us. We're we're seeing this this unrest that's going on. The the president of the African Developmental Bank stated that Africa cannot function because they have no power, and affirmed the continent's need for renewable and conventional energy. A little bit of green, a little bit of fossil fuel, that diversity of energy so that so that we can put those two things together. We, we already saw what happened in Germany. They shut down three 
out of six of their nuclear power plants uh, due to this green movement. They import 55% of their energy needs from Russia. They're about to have a very cold winter. Now they've completely flipped. And now they're saying, oh, I think we're going to start back up these three nuclear power plants. All because in 2011 in Fukushima, Japan had had that that issue with with that nuclear nuclear power plant. And <coughs> sorry, even though historically that's an anomaly and nuclear nuclear power has to be part of our future because how energy dense it is and how safe it is overall. They've put elite policy over people's lives. And we're going to see this, this, <clears throat> this is going to continue further. We already saw in Canada, Trudeau, uh, he's going to pass, he, they're passing something very similar as far as emissions reductions for farmers. And I don't know how much pushbacks are going to be because we saw with the trucker convoy, the moment that they got in there and they shut down people's bank accounts, people took their butts home. So when governments are willing to do coercive actions like that, it it really tamps down on protests. You saw this in China as well. What was going on with the banks? They started going out there beating people and shutting down their bank accounts and deal, messing with their health care. Uh, but once people get upset enough, that's not even going to stop them from uh, – uh, from demanding changes from their politicians. And I think that's going to come. I think that's what you're going to see. You're going to see a big push for this greenflation. I think you're also going to see some pushback. Um, so Eric Hyman, who was one of those gentlemen who who, who worked on that Deutsche Bank report as far as greenflation, uh, you know, he is an advocate for the Great Reset, but he still warns that Europe's Green Deal and its goal of climate neutrality by 2050 will threaten a European mega crisis, which may lead to a noticeable loss of welfare and jobs. They say we'll even need to change how we eat. Some scientists suggest we might have to shift from hamburgers to such delightful concoctions as maggot sausages. And another has suggested that we recycle ourselves and discover the finer points of cannibalism. Both of those are absolutely no options for me. And I hope those are no options for you either. Um, because I think... I think we already have too much government intervention. I think the experiences over the past two and a half years have emboldened them uh, to clamp on, clamp down, and dictate how you live. I think this greenflation is real. I think you are going to see that continued, continued elevation in energy prices, which when energy prices are higher, less food is produced, less travel less options, less life, because energy is life. Don't forget that. Um, we're going to have to find a diverse and reasonable balance to make this transition. So people are going to have to think really hard and really get into the data and understand that certain nations are going aren't going to be able to transition like that but we are going to have to help them and let me let me just say this to end this i recently have been watching old movies 
and I was watching a movie from the 1950s. And that movie opens up with them talking about global warming and how the world was going to be flooded within 20 years. Think about that. Things are changing, but we can't sacrifice human life. We can't choose who lives or dies. We can't allow government policy to dictate that. There's other ways. Human ingenuity knows no bounds. Technological advancements. There are ways for us to strike a healthy balance. And I think, uh, I think, unfortunately, this is the, I think this is the next agenda that you need to watch out for. And um, ultimately, it's going to decimate the middle class and put those below the poverty line even further down and those around the poverty line, you know, largely below it. So I just wanted to get on here, share some thoughts. I have some more content coming out. Thank you for those who have been sticking with me, sticking with us. We appreciate you. Some more content's coming soon. Um, we'll always try to give you honest and objective content and get it to you before some of these other larger channels uh, take it and run off with it. But uh, I appreciate y'all and I'll catch you on the next video. Take care.